Hi, everyone. This is Neil Malasal. Welcome to the Twyla After Show podcast. And I am here with no one because we are socially distancing ourselves. And so I'm recording this on my own as well as everybody else here in the show. We're going to hear from everyone, but we're all doing our own separate things. We're going to try this something new here for this podcast to kind of help us get through this difficult time with the coronavirus going on. And I thought I'd ask some questions not only about the show, but about how people are dealing with this. And uh, the first question I have up is, What's the thing everyone misses most about going into the office for work? And I know for me personally, uh, this may sound kind of sappy, but um, our grain marketing guy, uh, Greg Fox, uh, is he's a very gregarious guy. I started interviewing him, oh gosh, 15, 16 years ago, at least for um, our podcast and uh, not our podcast, but our radio show. And this was back before podcast existed. I'm dating myself here, but the um, he would come in and we would do the radio show for um, the market segment of our program. And over time, we just got to talking, and I got very uh, involved with his you know life in terms of um, like when he had kids and and that kind of thing. He's just a very open, friendly person, and and so he comes by on a near daily basis to kind of chat with me and we. We talk about all kinds of stuff from work to family to games and everything that we do in life. He's a big G.I. Joe fan, and so am I, and we grew up with it. So that's that's one thing I miss is um, interacting with, with him in particular. Uh, and so, Avery, what do you miss most? So the thing I miss most about going into the office for work has to be just the interaction and the camaraderie between each of us because – there are lots of little crazy ideas that pop up whenever we're <laughs> just kind of sitting in each of our offices and we have the little common area in between us uh, where we'll go out and inevitably someone will shout out a crazy idea and then we'll each sit around and discuss said crazy idea or me going poke my head into Neil's office and debating something that is wildly inaccurate and uh, completely off the wall. So that's probably what I miss most about just actually being in the office environment, having the this bouncing off of ideas, the and the, the tomfoolery that goes with it. Because with with every great idea, there are about forty bad ones that come out of uh, my mouth, uh, and those those are the ones that I'm actually sharing. So think about the ones that I don't share. So. Um, that's what I miss most. It's just the the being able to cut up with everybody and being able to to bounce those ideas off of one another. I believe the thing I miss the most about not going to work is not being able to... Well, that's one thing. Is my dog drives me nuts with his barking at times. Secondly, I miss not being able to walk over to Carl's office and ask my technology questions in person. So I believe that this is good because it's pushing me to continue to learn all of these new technology um, shortcuts, things that are available to us. I just got an email about getting on Zoom for our conference call on Monday morning, so I need to sign up for that, get the app loaded. But if we were in the office, I would probably just take my phone, walk over to Carl's office and ask for person-to-person help with these kinds of things from, I, you know, and I guess what that really means is I enjoy being able to lean on the strength of my teammates. I hope that I 
have something to contribute as well, something that maybe I can help out with at times um, that hopefully is unique to me and, and helps me be a strong member of the team. Um, but I do know and acknowledge that there are many different specific things about each one of my teammates that they do much better than I do. And collectively, together, we are stronger because of it. So when we are separated like this, it's just a little bit more difficult for all of us to be able to do things as quickly as we could if we just knocked on each other's doors and hammered it out um, in the moment. But I do believe that we have set ourselves up for success on how to work mobily um, because our jobs require us to be out in the field so much anyway. So I would say today, as I was trying to learn how to send this new voice recording through my iPhone that's telling me my iCloud is way too full and I need more of this, more of that, um, that usually I enjoy being able to knock on the door and say, hey, Carl, could you just show me this real quick? And five seconds later, I'm smarter for it. But took a little bit longer today, and hopefully this worked. I guess we shall see. I know it makes a lot of sense probably to say that the thing that I miss most is all of you, and that's kind of true. I do miss interacting with people in general, kind of like you said, Neil. I mean, Greg Fox comes by the office every day. Um, but, you know, just interacting with other people, interacting with you guys. But uh, I also really, really miss... Uh, really good internet at the office we're spoiled with really great internet because we have to upload the show and things like that and at my house i do not have the same uh i do not have the same luxuries i mean i have good internet i mean Kristen would probably beat me in the head for saying i don't have great internet at my house but i don't it's not nearly as good as uh the office i don't have fiber or anything awesome like that like you would expect someone maybe in the city to have so that's been a big frustration for me especially as we're all re- working remotely and uh you know downloading and uploading things all the time in the dropbox so that's been kind of a struggle for me and that's kind of what i miss about being in the office okay good stuff and following up on that i'd like to know from everyone what working from home has been like i know it's been of a challenge for for some of us but uh Kristen, what's it like for you i know you have uh you kind of have that experience day to day but tell me is this uh any different for you i usually work from home four days out of the week so this has been pretty ordinary for me um i'm pretty used to doing everything that i normally do with social media and any of the stories that I have to edit for the show, I do all that at home. So this was pretty much like any normal two weeks that I've had for any other period. So working from home is something that I'm used to. However, this week I had a a new companion. Uh, We got a new puppy on Tuesday and this was supposed to be an outside dog, but She's a great Pyrenees, so it's a little bit hot, and she came from Iowa, so there was snow on the ground, and she's been inside the entire time because it's just a little bit too hot for her outside. So I've had the joys of a new puppy in addition to a whole lot of work to do 
with everything that's going on with the coronavirus. So juggling a new puppy has been a whole other endeavor all on its own. So what it's been like working from home is felt a little disconnected and a little disjointed. Um, I've been a little under the weather, so that hasn't helped things much. Um, and so getting getting a schedule set is really tough because we have Luke and Logan. Luke is seven, and in the first grade, Logan is four and in pre-K three. And we're trying to make sure that we get them schooled as well. Well, school normally starts for us here at nine o'clock. That's about the same time that I usually have a conference call or some kind of meeting that I have to be in. Then I have uh, radio reports that I'm doing uh, around 1030 um, and then again at around 130. So trying to mix schooling in with work and then also make sure that, you know, it fits my wife's work schedule, too, because she's working from home as well. Uh, so it's been a little bit a little bit rough uh, around the edges on that, uh, trying to keep them with a schedule, trying to give us a schedule that we can work with. And then also, at the same time, trying to turn out a show. Um, it's, it's not that easy with, uh, with all the constraints. Um, I can do lots of interviews via FaceTime or Skype, but the, the quality is not going to be the same. Uh, the look isn't going to be the same. And I've got to fit it with within the schedule, the confines of, of the kids' school schedule, my wife's work schedule, and the other work that I have to do because uh, we do more than just uh, Twyla here. So it's, uh, it's a bit to juggle. It really is. And then uh, being under the weather as well did, did not help at all. But... Uh, past that, that point. I'm no longer uh, feeling that rough. And uh, now hopefully we're, we're finding some kind, of a, some kind of a rhythm. I enjoy working from home. Uh, working from home I, I, is a very creative space for me. I make sure that I have um, set aside comfortable, wonderful places that make me feel safe and warm and um, allow me and inspire me to edit and be able to really hone in to my storytelling. So I've always enjoyed working from home. Um, I've never found that to be a lonely space. I found it to be a quiet space um, full of creativity and um, hopefulness, happiness that uh, usually shines through um, in my storytelling, or at least that is the goal. There have been some um, caveats to that this go around because the children are home. My kids are seven and nine. And so navigating homeschooling as well um, while staying in the creative space is a little difficult because turning it off and on and off and on to answer questions uh, just takes a little bit uh, even more focus. So sometimes my husband <laughs> likes to say, uh, your focus lacks focus to the children. Um, and so my dogs, um, they have been very excited that all of us are home and our rat terrier is still very young. So he's vocal and with everybody home, he can be very vocal and that can be distracting. Um, but usually when I work from home, when it's just me, uh, he just snuggles up right next to me and, and works um, or sleeps while I edit. Um, 
So I haven't found working from home too too much different from my day-to-day, except for the fact that there's more people at home with me. Um, And that's good and bad. I certainly am appreciating this time with my children. Um, I'm still able to get my work done. Uh, My husband is very much taking a lot of the homeschooling as well um, because he's much smarter than I am and better at all of the uh, the math homework. Um, so we're just, you know, we're, we're working as a team and watching my children uh, and their beautiful relationship together um, during this time has just really warmed my heart. They find new ways to play and entertain and engage and laugh and there's a lot of laughter. So in the middle of what seems very sad and um, difficult at times, my children still have tons of laughter inside and that makes me super happy. So this has not been bad uh, bad for me. I, I don't think that I've um, had too much trouble staying home with my family. Um, I don't think that it has hampered my productivity. Um, It's just made my creativity uh, need to be a little bit more honed in and a little bit more focused. But um, I'm enjoying this moment. Uh, I'm sad that this is happening to our world. And I pray for all of those who are sick. And I pray for all of those who are helping us during this, you know, this tragedy, um, all of the first responders, all of the healthcare workers, um, you know, I pray for our president, I pray for our govern- government, I pray for Louisiana in particular, we seem to be getting hit very hard. Um, but if it were just all about me, which it isn't, nothing ever is, but um, if it were, I would just say that I'm taking this moment to be peaceful, reflect, enjoy those people who mean the most to me and who are, who surround my everyday existence. And we're just working hour to hour, day to day and praising God while we do it. Working from home has been pretty cool, actually, uh, for the most part. I enjoy the uniform at home. Um, I drink a lot more coffee because my coffee maker is steps away. And uh, I make a lot more than I need to probably, but I enjoy that. I enjoy having my coffee right close by. And, uh, you know, I enjoy the dress code, but uh, it's also, I mean, I feel like I'm working a lot longer as far as earlier in the morning, later in the evening, mainly just because I'm spending a lot of time watching my Dropbox folder populate or upload or download videos or clips that I'm waiting on. And I feel like I'm a little bit more, uh, a little bit less efficient at the house, but, um, you know, a lot of that's just the restraints of working at home and not having the blazing internet I mentioned a minute ago. For me, I'm guess it's, I'm something of an introvert. So it's, it's kind of good for me day to day It recharges, but, uh, it can get a little old and stale after a while. I, I do like, uh, working from home and, and being around my wife and my cats. And that's been really, really nice. We've got a feral cat rescue and, he was really, really shy and people averse when we first met him. But 
Uh, over the years, he's gotten really much more attuned to people and overcoming his just fearfulness. And so uh, every day in the office, he comes and sits by me. And so that's been a, a real blessing um, just to be able to interact with him. And I think I can see some progress with him. He's not uh, as jumpy as he used to be. All right. So uh, following up on that, how many snack breaks every day are you taking to the, the with being with the kitchen so close by? I know uh, for me, there's some cheese in there that uh, calls my name on a day-to-day -day basis. But uh, Jennifer, tell me about that. I know you're out on the go so much, and this has got to be a big change of pace for you. Are you hitting that kitchen on a hourly, semi-hourly? <laughs> What's going on there? I am trying to be very careful not to take snack breaks. Um, very easy to do so, but I think that I have an adversity to the kitchen anyway because I'm uh, constantly serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner and snack breaks for everyone else while I am also working with the homeschooling and also uh, doing my job. So um, I don't really have time to snack. <laughs> But at night is the worst because things finally calm down. Um, once the kitchen is clean, uh, dinner is done, everybody is getting in the shower and getting ready for bed. Um, I like to snack <laughs> on a glass of wine, maybe a cookie, some Cheez-Its, things like that. And um, so I have to be careful because that can go downhill fast. <laughs> um, so the snacking during the day has not really been an issue for me. It's uh, winding or whining down at night and just making sure that, um, you know, I one or two glasses is fine and then time for bed so that we can start this craziness the next day as well. So anyway, I guess we'll see. If my jeans still fit after this, then maybe I've been lying to myself. <laughs> so I'm not taking that many snack breaks uh, with the kitchen so close by. In fact, um, I've lost weight since this whole um, shelter at home or uh, social distancing began. Uh, whenever this started up, I weighed 157 pounds. This morning, I weighed 151 pounds. So uh, in the span of about two weeks, I've lost six pounds. Um, I don't know if that's, I know part of it is because I've been under the weather, but the other part of it is that, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm not eating as much, but I also feel like I'm not as active. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to walk around as much as I can, uh, go walk outside every day. Um, and maybe, maybe I'm increasing some activity and decreasing the calories I'm taking in. So you put that two together and that means you lose weight. So, uh, no, I can't say that having the kitchen so close by has made much of a difference. If anything, it's, uh, it's done the opposite. It's not so much snack breaks as it is an addiction to Welch's gummy fruit snacks. I, at some point in the last few months, acquired an addiction to these, and I cannot buy just one bag and just eat one bag. I bought, I found on Amazon a supersized shipment of them. I don't know how many are in the package, but it's $50, and it is a ginormous box of Welch's fruit snacks. The package was delivered at some point last week, and I'm just about at the end of the box. So if that answers a question about how many snack breaks I'm taking... I am devouring the Welch's gummies by the handful. So, yes, 
I bring the box in here and it's all, I'm just inhaling gummy fruit snacks on a regular basis. Oh my gosh, snack breaks. I probably take, I'm, I feel like I'm on a constant snack break. Like I've always got something in front of me, something nearby. Brittany's, uh, Brittany made a chocolate cake the other day that's been just sitting there staring at me for the last couple of days. And I can't believe I haven't just torn it all to pieces, but I've been, I've been practicing some restraint where I can, but chips and salsa, chips and queso, chips and guac, pretty much always by my side. Um, chicken salad. I've been, you know, just some crackers and chicken salad nonstop. Um, like I said a minute ago, coffee, a lot of coffee. Because uh, my home office is my kitchen table, so I'm like in my kitchen, so it's kind of easy to to just stay, you know, attached to the fridge. It's not good for my waistline though, but we'll get there someday. Well, we don't know when this stuff is going to be over, but I do know everybody wants it over really soon. And so my question is, what is everyone most looking forward to when we make it to the other side of this pandemic? Um, Carl, I know uh, you're a big social guy. I, I bet church is on the top of your list. Yeah, I really do miss being uh, with my church, you know, physically together. Uh, we're still doing all the online things that, you know, everybody is adopting and, you know, uh, figuring out. But, uh, you know, it's not the same when you're meeting over uh, Google Hangouts with your Bible study group. And, you know, it's it's a lot better to do it in person and share a meal together and that kind of stuff. Uh, so I'm really missing that kind of stuff, but I'm also really missing being out, you know, not that work is everything, but I'm really missing being out on the farm, uh, not just my family's farm, but, you know, anybody's farm. This is, especially right now in March, April, you know, this is the time to be out there. It's beautiful, you know, kind of fresh crop in the ground, kind of, there's a lot of, you know, fun, fun stories to go tell at this time of year with that kind of new planting happening and new birth. And then there's also the crawfish industry, like, you know, doing that story this past week, I had plenty of archive video, but that's a fun story to go out and shoot and get out in the, the crawfishing boats and get footage like that. I, I love that part of my job and getting to do that. So not being able to do that part of my job really sucks and I can't wait to be back out in the field. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Kristen, what, what are you looking forward to? I think I'm most looking forward to obviously seeing family and friends that we're secluded from at this point. And being able to resume some sense of normalcy, if it's going out to eat or, you know, going to have drinks with friends or, or even going to a friend's house. Um, that's been the one thing that I think has felt the most different for me. And I think also, you know, I'm still going to get groceries and do some of the essential things that you just need to do right now. And I think think that the most alarming part is even those little bits of times that you go out just to go pick up groceries at Walmart or the grocery store, that sense of fear that is on everyone's face and you can tell that it's in their mind and everybody just, you know, trying to dodge everyone constantly. And that's what you're supposed to be doing. But um, I've never been much of a hugger or a feely, touchy person, but it, you know, when you can't do it and you're not supposed to do it, it just feels like you're missing a basic form of human contact in, in just, you know, staying six feet away from people. It, you, you kind of just want to hug somebody, even though I'm not a hugger, just because you can't. I, I don't know. That's a weird thing. I know. But um, I think 
having, once this is over, having that fear removed that everyone is feeling and wondering, you know, when somebody brings you your food, if you go to McDonald's or something, that constant fear that everyone is living through. So that's the thing that I think I'm, I'm looking forward to the most is just hopefully having normal life back again. Gosh, what am I most looking forward to doing once we're done with this pandemic? I think probably not talking about this pandemic. I just want to get back to where we're um, we're talking about music and uh, talking about uh, farming and talking about uh, you know whatever video games we we like to play, whatever the kids are up to, anything like that. And so uh, that's really what um, I'm looking forward to on the other end and getting out and seeing people again. You know, as an extrovert, it's it's a little rough uh, just being here all the time. I mean, I'm talking to folks on the phone. I've been reaching out to a lot of folks that way, but that's that's been about it. For me, as I'm sure some of you know, I've run a martial arts class and um, not being able to do that uh, is a real big downer for me. I, I do practice every single day. I'm fortunate enough to have a big enough room in my house to be able to work out and do all that kind of stuff. But um, I really miss my students and interacting with them and uh, seeing them grow and progress over the years has been a really just tremendous uh, boost to me on a personal level. So I, I miss that. but. Um, you know, a month or two out of this, it really isn't going to make that much of a difference on in the long run, but uh, I really hope uh, we get back to it soon. I think I'm most looking forward to getting back out to the ball fields with my son and my husband and daughter. So, so much fun heading out there with all my mom friends and rooting for the kids. Um, so we are looking forward to getting back out to the ball fields once this passes over. Moving on, we all work in agriculture and the agriculture industry. And, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of stories about some of the tougher aspects of this. Um, I, I guess what I want to know is what is everybody most concerned about for agriculture during this tough time? I know some folks are having it a little better time than others, but some are really suffering through this. Um, Avery, what are your thoughts on that? My biggest concern with agriculture through this tough time is that commodity prices and beef prices do not recover quick enough and that some people, despite all the hard work they're continuing to put in to make sure that we're able to food, you know, feed and clothe everyone here in America, um, that they're not going to be able to make it, that they're not going to be able to stay in business, you know, because it, it is a business and the inputs they, their costs don't change as quickly as the commodity prices do. I mean, I've watched beef prices go limit down two days in a row, limit up two days in a row, and then back limit down again. So uh, that kind of uncertainty is something really difficult. I mean, think about if you had your hourly wage change every day. You, how are you going to budget? How are you going to live like that? And so that's my biggest concern through this is that with the fluctuations in the commodity prices, we're not going to see, um, we're not going to see everybody be able to make it. My biggest concern, and I address it in this week's, this past week's show, um, was, you know, is, is the crawfish farmers. I mean, uh, something Andy and I have talked about, Andy Brown, we've talked about a lot is the, the fact that 
a lot of industries, a lot of like commodities are being taken care of, you know, on the national level because there's just they're very they're very big industries. But the crawfish industry is very specific and niche to uh, Louisiana. There's some in Texas and elsewhere, but it's a lot of Louisiana. And it kind of is easy to kind of be missed, I guess, on the national scale when it comes to talking about, you know, relief for small businesses and such. So it's been kind of, it's, it's been a concern of mine, like kind of like Jennifer mentioned, you know, the small farmers, the crawfish farmers are, uh, they're big and they're, they're important right now, but it's just such a, you can't, you can't grow, you can't raise crawfish and August, uh, September, this is kind of their time. This, this is their time. It's not kind of their time. It is their time to be, you know, making, making their, their crop. So anyways, that's been a big struggle, a big concern, uh, for me right now. For me, of course, Louisiana fishermen, oystermen, shrimpers, crawfishers are all really impacted by this. They're near and dear to my heart. I grew up around them and, and watching them go through this is just after such a tough time in 2019 with all the freshwater and disruptions that they had to pile this on the, the absence of the restaurant industry is really deeply impacting them. I was gratified to see there's been some inclusion of them in this coronavirus relief bill, as well as some uh, supplemental assistance. Um, Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser, for instance, wrote to Steve Scalise, Representative Steve Scalise, and asked him for in, uh, the fishermen and the uh, seafood industry to be included in this. And I'm glad to see that there's a lot more attention and focus, but I just wonder how many are not going to be around next year. I know by this time next year, we should be done with this. God, I hope so. But um, how many of our crawfishers, our oystermen, our shrimpers are not going to be there to provide that fresh food that we all know and love? I mean, things are going to return to normal overall, but what is normal for them? What's going to be, what's it going to be like for them this time next year? I am really concerned for the small farmers right now. I spend a lot of time with these small farmers during field to feast and visiting the farmers markets. And I'm trying to stay active and telling their story on how they are continuing to connect their agriculture products with consumers and all of the innovative ways people are trying to connect those dots so they can deliver all of their wonderful local Louisiana ingredients. And I'm just hopeful that um, they continue to put those two things together so that they're not having to pull these crops out of the field and not able to get them to consumers. So that's really a concern for me right now. That and the direct delivery that usually happens to these restaurants, profiling these fresh local Louisiana ingredients. So I'm just ready for all of that to get back on track. Well, as the wife of a soybean farmer, um, I'll echo what Avery said in terms of the big picture. The prices have been not great for a while now, and this is only adding insult to injury in terms of the market. So that's a concern for me personally, but for all farmers, especially cattle farmers, uh, beef prices are in the tank and that's causing problems, I think, for producers across the board. But on a deeper level, I think I'm concerned about the state of mind for a lot of these farmers and ranchers because they're still out there doing their job and prices have been low. A lot of farmers are not in a great state of mind right now, understandably, because they still have, you know, some farmers still have the crop from last year that they have not sold. So 
their income has taken a hit a few years in a row, and it looks like that's going to be the same scenario this year. So when you look at all of these, you've got debt that's piling up, and you you just can see how this is just a another thing that's adding on to the what feels like an ever-growing list of, of problems in agriculture right now. So it's now imp- more important than ever to talk about mental health, to talk about if you notice a farmer or a rancher in your life who seems to be acting differently, that seems to have some changes, you know, in, in the, the things that they talk about, in the things that they're doing, you know, that that's important to keep an eye on and to talk to somebody if you yourself are having trouble. And we're actually working on some resources on our Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation website that we're going to be posting soon. So hopefully if we have that page up before this podcast comes out, we'll put a link for you there. But I think it's so important to continue this conversation, especially with everything that's going on. And for farmers and ranchers, mental health is is a major issue that, that we, you know, we don't need to forget about. And so we need to keep talking about it and keep checking on those people in your life around you and, you know, let them know that you're available to talk. Well, as I mentioned earlier, we are not together due to the social distancing for this. And so we had to put together the show remotely. And I want to know what it was like for everyone to to do that, to sort of assemble this. For me, it, it's just been really, really strange um, because all of the stuff that I normally am able to interact with others and get feedback on has had to be done through another medium. In other words, like I can usually shout at Carl from my office desk, hey, what do you think about this? But that wasn't possible with this. I had to take another step either through text or calls or through the internet. And so uh, that's been strange for me. Carl, what's it been like for you? That was a little bit difficult this week, mainly like I mentioned earlier, the internet that I have and the speeds that I have, uh, you know, made that a little more difficult, you know, waiting on files from people to download, you know, people's stories were sending in. I was editing the show this week. Typically Neil and I will share that, but that was a struggle this week. And, you know, Avery, luckily, thank goodness, Avery had some interviews with some crawfishermen that I was able to use for my story. Um, but even that, it was FaceTime interviews. They're not the best quality, and that kind of that was a different uh, a different level of of work that we we haven't done really. And at, trying to figure out how to lay over vertical video over some other video, um, you know, just kind of working with that, working with what we had. That was, it was interesting, but I think it came out pretty good and I was pretty pleased with it. I did end up having to go to the office though, cause my internet was so bad. That was for anyone that cares. It was my upload speed was 0.8 megabytes a second. And for reference, the office internet, uh, the upload speed is 100 megabytes a second. So it's a little bit different. Uh, so it was, it was worth getting up there to the office and getting that knocked out pretty quickly rather than sitting here and watching it creep all night long. Like I said before, I work from home most days of the week anyway. So the actual putting together of the show didn't feel that different for me. Um, The main thing that felt different about this show, this particular story that I was working on um, highlighted all of the work that people in the community were doing to sew mask for the the shortage of masks that healthcare workers are facing across the country. And I got the idea for this boost when I saw a Louisiana 4-H 
post on their Facebook page asking for students in 4-H who had the ability to sew, that maybe had taken a sewing class as part of their 4-H course, to think about, you know, look, look at this tutorial to make masks because there was a need that they could fill. And a lot of 4-H members in different parishes across the state were doing that. And so I thought, what a better what a better boost than that, you know, people reaching out to help when there's not much else that we feel like we can do right now. The thing that felt different about this was it would have made a great package for the show, a full-out story of finding some of these kids who are doing this and interviewing them and, you know, making a real story out of it. But that's just not something that that's possible for us to do right now. You know, we can't, we're quarantined to our, our home, so... I had to rely on video from the students or, you know, getting video online or or photos. And I shot some video of myself because I didn't know if I was actually going to get the video from the students. Um, Most of them sent it the morning that I was working on the story, putting the story together. So that was one thing that was different is that I, it really would have made a great story to interview somebody who was actually doing this. But we, uh, you know, we're making it by the way that we can right now. So if that was one thing that I could have changed about it, that was, that would have been a, a great element to the story. So, yeah, this was the first time we put together a show remotely and it wasn't that difficult or different to me because, um, back in the old days when I was working in regular TV news, I mean, if we were out doing hurricane coverage, yeah, you just edited your story wherever you were. So it's just kind of like any other, it's any other disaster, just another disaster. So uh, with any other disaster, I would be editing remotely. I would be doing all my recording remotely. It just so happens remotely is my house. Uh, We shot the show leads in my backyard. Um, My wife actually is the one who framed up the shot. Uh, so, uh, that it it helps that I have some folks to be able to do that. Uh, back when I'd have been working in regular TV news, we'd have had a full team, but you know, we would be editing remotely. So it's, it's, to me, it's, it's just whatever the, whatever the job calls for, we do it. And it's not that difficult. Fortunately, you know, we have the equipment we need to be able to do that. I've got audio interface. I've got a laptop that I can edit all my video on. So, um, yeah, it's 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 just another day out of the office. Well, I know it has been odd putting it all together like this and kind of being on our own. But what elements of your stories, uh, Jennifer? Let's start with you. What element in your story from this week's show really stands out? What do you What did you take away most of all for that? As we're in this coronavirus mode, again, very important to me is continuing to connect farmers and fresh local ingredients with consumers, finding innovative ways to deliver their their goods out to the public um, while remaining safe. So um, my, I, I, I loved my story this week about Breda's Redstick Farmers Market finding a way to change things up and become a drive-through service. I'm really excited um, for how they are handling um, this, and I'm excited for how excited the farmers are, and I'm excited to be around the consumers that are excited to still be able to get fresh strawberries and um, fresh baked breads and turnip greens and mustard greens and collard greens and spinach and, oh my goodness, everything is just so plentiful right now and so delicious. So I was excited to watch 
how enthusiastic the um, everybody was to be finding a way to make things work while staying safe. One element of my story this week that really stood out was that we were already doing a story about people with Farm Bureau dealing directly with consumers. We didn't know how important it would be that folks have that direct connection to the farmer until this COVID-19 crisis began whenever we got to see the grocery stores depleted because of panic buying. Well, now, I mean, I, I wasn't worried at all because I know where there's a, a dairy within, you know, less than an hour of, of my house. I know folks who raise cattle and who would I'd be able to get meat from. I know crawfishermen uh, who go out in the basin and catch crawfish. I know others who have their own farms. So uh, for me, it was... I, I knew that I would be okay and be provided for, um, but the importance to be able to show that importance and people to recognize that importance of knowing a farmer, knowing who you could contact to be able to get your food and fiber, I think that that's really what, what came through um, because I shot that story months ago um, and just finally got around to putting it together. And it just, the importance of it is what really came through. I guess to expand upon that last question, talking about my boost for this week's show, I thought it was, um, you know, where it feels like in a 24-hour news cycle of endless bad news. And obviously, the coronavirus is the lead of every news program. It's the entire program because that's, there is no bigger story going on in the world right now. And I thought that my piece stood out because this is the one small bit of, of good news that's coming out of this storyline across the country. This virus and this pandemic is so devastating to so many people, I think because we all feel so out of control and there is nothing that we can do to control this situation or help the situation. But these people found the one thing that they could do, that one small thing to fill a need in the community and the country and and they're going headfirst into it and you know, that group in rain was sewing 200 masks a day. And I think that's just, that's a testament to when there's a need, people are, are doing what they can in a time when we don't feel like there, there's much we can do. And the coolest part of this story, I think, was that these are 4-H kids that are taking their time to serve a need that is greater than themselves. And I think it's a, a real testament to the the 4-H pledge. I grew up in 4-H, so it, it struck a chord with me. And, you know, the, the pledge is my head to clear thinking, my heart to greater loyalty, and my hands to larger service. And those 4-Hers are living out that motto. What better way to embody my hands to larger service than to serve the needs, the, the, the greatest need in the country right now? You know, they are, are giving their hands to serve a cause that's bigger than them. And I think, you know, I just can't say enough about how awesome I think this story is. And I, I hope that it warmed your heart as much as it did mine, because 
what a great example that n- not just these 4-H kids, but all of the citizens who are working to do something to help this cause. And I, I think that we could all learn from their selfless acts of kindness and service. So I, I just, I don't know that there's been a, a better boost that we've done to, to date other than this one, because in such a, a, a time of bad news and a time of chaos, you know, this, this is something that I feel like these students, these parents, these teachers, everyone who is lending their hand to help fill the need in the community. I mean, I just, I thought it was a, a great boost that we all need right now. Well, it stands out to me in my story this past week was, like I mentioned a minute ago, the uh, vertical video I had to work with. And uh, I was really, again, really appreciate Avery having that. But it was a, uh, it's different. You know, you can't, I, I, I say we can't, I probably could, I guess, put a bunch of black video up there. But I kind of had to figure out a way to take their vertical video from the FaceTime interview and then lay some other video underneath it and that was uh, made for an interesting element, but what was what was nice, what I liked about it is having multiple crawfish uh, farmers that were able to speak to the fact that they just need to move product right now. And, uh, you know, and then talking with uh, Bill at Tony Seafood, he said, uh, you know, the same thing. He's like, we're just trying to sell it as safe as safely as we can. One thing that was encouraging was that they're still buying uh, at Tony Seafood. They're still buying off the same. They're buying from the trucks. Uh, once a day, their trucks are running, and they're still buying from all the same farmers that, you know, to keep keep that volume moving. And they're just trying to figure out ways that they can they can move it on the retail side. So that was encouraging. You know, I touched on this a little earlier, but I want to kind of revisit it about specifically working at home. How your new coworkers are? I mentioned my cat and getting to know them, but what's it been like to have uh, you know your pets, your children, your spouses around? Tell me about that and and what uh, your new work life is like. Um, Kristen, tell me about that. I know uh, you've got some pets running around. You're some fur babies there like me. What are they like now? Yes, Neil, I do have my fur babies, Cooper and Boss, but we also have a new addition. This week, uh, we we got a great Pyrenees puppy, and so she's wonderful. She's cute. She's so sweet, but we've been keeping her inside because she came from Iowa, so we're trying to get her adapted to the heat here before we leave her outside all the time. But she, she's a puppy, and that comes with all of the challenges of having a puppy inside. So that's a, that's a new, a new thing that's happened this week. Um, but I also have my husband, Landon, but he's, he's always here because I work from home most days of the week, like I said. But when we were shooting the show, I had to have the help of Landon to actually help me physically record it because it's a little challenging, as you guys know, to record yourself. So, Landon, tell everybody, how was your experience producing or shooting the leads? I thought I did a very good job, and you messed up a lot. Except for the fact that the (laughs) mic did not record the entire second half of everything that we shot. Because you didn't charge the batteries. That is not, that's not, your job as a producer is to, to check that. I thought it went well. It took you a few tries, but we made it work. So you said it took me a few tries, which, yes, it did, because we did not have a teleprompter. So I I did try to memorize the parts where we were on camera, and you thought that that was so easy. You said, (laughs) 
it's so easy, and I've heard you mess it up enough times that I can do it. How did that go? I could I could have done it. Um, no, no, because we have the video, and we'll, and we'll replay how 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 easy you, you thought it, it was. So much, I thought it was. Um, and you messed you had, it up in the first sentence. You had me stuttering on there. Oh, what. The first sentence you messed up, you couldn't even say twala. Twala. I needed a better producer. No, it's you said you you had it down. TwalaTV.org. Well, that does us for this week edition of Twala TV. All right, I've heard you mess it up so many times. I'm messing it up too. Three, two. If you'd like to donate supplies, visit our website at twilighttv.org. We also have links where you can make the in-home mask. <laughs> so, yeah, I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. What is it like having new co-workers? Well, right now, um, Harley, uh, our cat. Yes, we have a cat named Harley Davidson. Uh, Harley Quinn Davidson. So a little bit of a uh, Batman reference there, too. Uh, he is sleeping on the bed right now because I am recording this in my bedroom. It is the uh, least echoey room in the house other than my closet, but I can't keep a light on in my closet while I'm trying to work, and nor do I have enough room for all of the equipment. So uh, I don't record in my closet, although that's the best-sounding room to record in. Um, and then the boys, Luke and Logan, uh, they are often making noise whenever I'm trying to do some work. Uh, in fact, uh, in the middle of a radio report or toward the very end of a radio report, uh, I had just wrapped up an interview, and all of a sudden I heard, I made poo-poo in the potty at the top of Logan's lungs. And so all I could think was, great, did that come out on air? Fortunately, it did not. So uh, no one heard that, but that's... That's the reality of having a four-year-old in the house who's happy that he made poo-poo in the potty and want to share it with the world. And I almost did. He almost did because if it had got across my microphone uh, while I was on the air, it would have uh, it would have been out there, and I don't know that I would have re-recorded to cover it up. Well, as I sit here with Bob Angel, my rat terrier, and Chief, my golden retriever, in the bay window... I've got my son, Huckleberry, and my daughter, Zoe, and my husband, Kevin, here with me. So we have a full house. Um, I have a lot of co-workers. And to be honest with you, as I turn around in circles, round and round and round, and see all these faces over and over again, um, all I can feel is extremely blessed. I'm just super excited about the people I share my life with. And um, this is going to be a blip in time. We will all remember this as an interesting moment of staying home with those that we love. And I'm just trying to embrace it and enjoy all of these faces that I just, I'll miss this time. And so I'm happy to have it with them. So I like my coworkers and I'm, I'm hopeful that they like me too. My new coworker is... Uh... Murray Moe Pop-Tart Castellaw Wiggers. And uh, that's the name for our golden doodle. Um, Pop-Tart came from Emmy and Isla. Uh, they wanted to name him Pop-Tart. And Brandon and Kelly luckily said, uh, how about Murray Pop-Tart? So Murray's his name. But that's our golden doodle we got back in uh, November from Brandon and Kelly, my brother-in-law. 
Uh, and he's been great. It's been kind of fun having him at the house. He's a great distraction. Uh, I got, I've gotten to kind of see what his life is like while I'm off at work, typically at the office, but he lays here in the kennel right next to the dining room table where I'm working. And he, uh, he will, he'll lay there for about 80% of the time. And the other 20% of the time he's like glued to a window barking at the neighbors that are walking and, you know, out, out and about every time the neighbor we're, we live in a pretty small neighborhood where, you know, the driveway for the, my neighbors is the property line right next to my house. And every time a neighbor pulls up their driveway, Murray goes crazy. So, um, I'm surprised he hasn't done it while I'm trying to record these, but anytime something happens, he's, he's quick to let me know. Uh, so it's been nice though working with him. He's, he's, uh, been a good distraction every time I'm sitting there watching the Dropbox. Uh, tell me that it's sinking and it'll take two days to sink a file. I just kind of step away and go play with Murray or take him for a walk. So that's been fun. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been different, and I do love my new coworker. Sorry, Avery and Neil and Kristen. I love this coworker a little bit more than y'all. Yeah, one thing for me that I've really gotten to enjoy is uh, hanging out with Sherry. I feel like every day I I leave her and have to come back. And some days, especially the the days where I teach class, I just uh, we're like ships passing in the night. I just I come home, I get grab a little something to eat, and I rush off to class. And I come back, and by that time she's ready to go to bed, and I'm not far behind. So um, getting to see her and talk to her every day. She loves to, to come up with new ideas. She's doing a lot of gardening. She wants to show off. If you're, if you've seen my Instagram feed, you know, there's a lot of flowers on it. That's all her, her hard work for the most part. Um, I do some weeding and stuff like that, but I don't, I don't get into the gardening aspect as much as she does, but, uh, she's really into it. And I get to see that, that little work I can, take five minutes out of my day to, to kind of go with her and see something new that she's doing. And, and that's really fulfilling. It's a really different sort of way of, of working. Um, because normally I'm able to just focus and kind of run through, but, uh, now it's, it's, uh, it's a little different. It's got a different work life blend there that I'm, I'm just not used to, but I, I really enjoy it. I, I, I'm not ashamed to say I love my spouse and I, I enjoy hanging out with her. I'm sure I bet she's a lot more annoyed with me than I am with her ever. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm probably a little more underfoot than she's used to. But anyway, I hope this has been not annoying but pleasant for you guys. It's been unusual doing this podcast separately, of course. But we hope to do it again for you here during this so-called coronacation and um, hopefully bring you some new stories and talk about it. If you aren't on our social media feed, please check it out. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We are putting out new stuff outside of the show, um, even if it's just stuff from home. I know Kristen's doing a lot of that gardening stuff that you can see her progress. Carl's hyper, um, hyper hydroponic, rather, uh, gardening that he's doing. A lot of stuff going on here that we're trying to bring you and hopefully get you through this social distancing part of this coronavirus situation. Anyway, uh, check us out on all those social media. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks. If you can, subscribe to us on your favorite place to get podcasts. Also, leave us a review wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play, and let us know what you think about the show. Reviews are great, but sharing is how you show that you're caring. So bring <laughs> your mother in, bring your sister in, share this podcast with them. Let them know that you enjoy listening to the Twilight After Show. And don't forget this podcast is produced by the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. 